Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Grow and Learn podcast. This is Zarina Dimitrova, your host. And I have the pleasure to welcome today Dr. Scott Beeson. He's a very uh, interesting and soon to be very famous person, <laughs> author of a newly um, published book called The Whole Person Workplace. We're going to be talking about uh, the holistic workplace today, how to deal with um, supporting employees to come back to work after the whole COVID situation, how to transition back to work. We're going to be talking about how to aid parents with parental leave uh, and some childcare solutions. Actually, he has a lot of um, um, suggestions on how to deal with workplace challenges, uh, not only borne by the, the, the whole pandemic situation, but also pre-existing. So before I continue and uh, you know give a too wide presentation, welcome to Dr. Beeson. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks for being here. You're calling from New York? Yes, just uh, okay. north of New York City. Yep. So tell us a bit about yourself first before we begin uh, talking about your book and what you have to share. What, right. what uh, brought you on this path? Right. So I've been a um, business school professor uh, for a long time. I teach at Fairleigh Dickinson University, which is in New Jersey, just west of New York City. And uh, for a long time, I've done research and academic work in things like workplace flexibility and work-life balance um, challenges, both from employee and employer points of view. And about 10 years ago, um, I kind of had like a mid-career crisis. And, um, you know, it's one thing to do all this academic work and scholarship and work so hard on these articles that then like, I don't know, 60 other professors read, right? And um, so I really wanted to have more of an impact. So I started thinking about who like needs good information about like how to handle work-life challenges. So it was working parents and their employers. And so over the last decade, I've really like changed my career a bit. I still teach and you know, do all my academic stuff, but I've been doing a lot of public facing work in terms of working with companies, doing workshops and talks to them. Uh, doing some public policy advocacy. I've, I've talked to, um, actually, I spoke at the White House and at the UN, and I've been working with the state of New Jersey's Department of Labor um, on, on a lot of these types of issues. And finally, I've, I've written, now this is my third book. Uh, the first one back several years ago um, was called The Working Dad's Survival Guide, and it was advice and encouragement for fathers trying to balance work and family, because I saw that, you know, there was a lot of information and advice for working mothers. Um, and, you know, half of parents are dads and I didn't see any like, you know, help for us, right? So uh, I, I, that was the first thing I wrote. And now this, um, um, you know, then my work with employers kind of culminated in this year's um, and actually just launched a couple of weeks ago, um, the work, um, the whole person workplace, uh, building better workplaces through work-life wellness and employee support. And this book was really born out of, um, you know, interviewing um, representatives of like 50 companies from the huge multinationals to like literally a neighborhood convenience store with 12 employees and everything in between um, and doing all my interviews during the COVID pandemic to see how these employers who care about their employees uh, were really trying to um, not just survive from a business point of view, but uh, how they were trying to help their employees through 
uh, this really, really difficult time. So that's kind of my professional journey. I'm also, you know, my most important roles, I'm a husband and a father. Awesome. Awesome. And what do you teach? Well, what the, I teach what things do you like teach humor- I teach things like human resource management and supervisory management. Um, I kind of joke that I'm like the people side of the business school. So I try to mm-hmm. get like all the MBA students to have still have a soul and care about people and not just uh, the financial side. I, I love the HR when I, I also have an MBA from a Saudi business school. And I remember that I really oh. love the HR classes. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. Yeah. And by the way, you're coming to the right place because, uh, through Grow and Learn, I also organized an online summit uh, in March that was called, that was also human centered for organizations. Uh, the new game of leadership, it was called. Oh, and uh, okay. I had a lot of guests, more than 14 or 15, uh, 14, okay. 15 guests about that talked about uh, human centeredness. Um, so, Great. Let me know future summits. I'd love to either attend or if I can help out. <laughs> absolutely. I'd love to have you as a guest for the next one. <laughs> yeah. So, so what is um, what is the human? Let me just quote the exact name uh, title of uh, the whole person workplace. What is a whole person? What well, whole? yeah. So yeah. this refers to how employers can value employees. So some employers just like they look at their employees as like a part of the machine that like just is there to work hard, and we don't really invest much in it. Lots of employers, um, perhaps most of the employers of people listening today. Um, value their employees as like valuable assets, which is good, right? In that like we take care of assets, but it's still transactional. It's like, I'll take care of you so that you're going to turn that investment on me. So, you know, I'll work you 60 hours a week and and cause all this stress in your life. And then I'll give you a wellness program, right? So that you can come back and work really hard. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think the best employers and the employers that are highlighted in this book, um, they value employees as whole people. Um, not just as for what they can return to uh, the employer and not just what they do between nine and five or whatever work hours are, but they value employees as whole people with lives and challenges and stressors and responsibilities and priorities outside of work. Um, And most employees have a desire to bring a lot of themselves, right, and their engagement and everything to work. Um, So if employers value employees like that, they start thinking about how can I support employees with some of their life challenges so they feel better and are more well uh, physically and mentally outside of work um, for two reasons. One, because it's the right thing to do and we can really help people. And two, because when people feel good about their lives outside of work and they're not like overcome with stress and anxiety, they can bring more of themselves to work and it creates a better workplace culture. Um, So that's kind of what the whole person workplace refers to. It's not really like, for the individual to bring your whole self to work. It's really more the employer valuing employees as whole people. And if you can indulge me one second, um, this wasn't the original title of the book, but then I spoke when I was doing my interviews, um, someone's quote um, really got me this term. So if I can read the quote, because it's so beautiful and I, I can't do it justice. So let me just read it for a second. We have to realize we get the whole person through the door. We get their backs and their hands and their minds and their hearts, and they're at all different stages in their lives. And we have to make sure we're doing our best uh, we can for them. And I think that's that sums up the philosophy really well, that employees are whole people, right? And we're physical bodies. Uh, we have desires, our heart, and our, our uh, we have our minds and mm-hmm. our engagement. 
Um, and this also means that employees have all different types of concerns. You have working parents, you have younger employees who in the United States, for example, uh, face a lot of student debt. Um, you have you know, other employees like, like me, frankly, who are dealing with both raising children and dealing with, with parents who are having some health problems. Um, you have you know, any number of employee concerns that if we value employees as whole people, then employers, managers, leaders, HR types can do a lot um, if they're creative about it in terms of uh, helping people uh, meet some of their challenges. Mm-hmm. I understand. So um, in the summit that I was just mentioning, um, some of the speakers talked also about the fulfillment aspect of, uh, yes. of the employee. So their purpose aligning with the purpose of the company. Yeah. Basically, it runs back to, um, to as deep as culture. So it's not really just uh, accommodating for the family needs and right. uh, social needs of the employee, but also uh, taking care of the acceptance in terms of aspirations. Sure. Uh, do you, do you talk about this aspect of um, of the whole yeah. person in your book? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that um, you know employment can be just a transaction, right? Yeah. Time and effort for money, or it can mm-hmm. be like a mutually beneficial relationship, right? I think that's what really good leaders and holistic leaders really think about, right? Um, you know, if we build a good relationship here where I try to look out for you, you're more likely to look out for me, right? And we're more likely to support all of us, right? So um, it's not just we take care of somebody with parental leave when they when they have a baby. It's we take care of everybody when they have a particular type of need. And those could be challenges they face in life. They could be their aspirations. So it could be their desire for career development, for um continuing education for uh, opportunities to volunteer. Um, so um, mm-hmm. to give back, to do charitable work um, and, you know, organizations. Um, and I highlight uh, organizations that, that do a lot of those things. And in your practice, have you actually encountered such companies or observed that their practices that fall into the whole person concept? Yeah. yeah. So no organization is like perfect about it. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think, uh, any organization can, and many organizations do, uh, embrace lots of elements of this. So, you know, um, just to give a few examples, if you don't mind. Um, sure, so absolutely. Actually, from from um, from in Europe, um, Adidas was opening a new facility in a in a city in Germany. I forget what what city. Uh, was it in Switzerland? Maybe in Bern. I'm not quite sure, but. Okay, well, I think that yeah. that's the place in Germany they were building a facility. Okay. And when they were transferring some of their employees from other places throughout Europe to staff up, they um, they purchased ahead slots at summer camps and sports camps for the children of those employees. One less thing for them to worry about when they were dealing with this transition and maybe losing their, you know, their network about care and other people who, who can help for their families, right? So that's, that's a pretty creative solution, right? Um, you know, you had... Um, you know, other companies, you know, um, a large company, again, um, like uh, uh, Bristol-Myers Squibb during the pandemic, uh, the height of the pandemic had, um, they gave people every third Friday completely off and like no checking into emails or anything just because it was overwhelming uh, for so many people and, and, you know, just helping them with burnout and mental health and well-being. Um, and then it could be very small things. You know, I, I talked to a food store that um, they had a married couple who worked for them that um, 
just had a baby. And most employers would say, well, we'll split your shift. So one person could be with the baby at all times, but then they would never be a family together. Um, so the owners instead said, you know what? Keep working the same shifts together. Just wear the baby. Um, and that's what they did. Um, and it was fine. And seven years later, that baby is now this little girl who's in the store all the time and is like the mascot for the store and knows all the customers. And the customers have loved watching this little girl grow up. Um, and it's really been something that has built their culture and community. Um, so it ranges from like very big picture things that cost money to small accommodations that just take creativity and empathy and listening uh, in order mm -hmm. to do. So, um, you know, nobody's, no company's perfect, um, but, you know, a lot of them, you know, again, it starts with the culture and the values of my employees aren't just a part of the machine. My employees are people. Um, and if they're people, then I can maybe support them through a positive relationship and trying to do right by them. Um, and lots of companies and lots of employers do things that reflect this. And I, I, I give only positive examples in the book. Um, I'm not, you know, naive enough to think that, you know, this is universally done, right? Uh, we've all had work experiences that, that have not been um, as life affirming, right? Uh, but there's, there's no reason that hourly employees, part-time employees, um, employees at, you know, in retail and in factories and in warehouses can't have really good workplaces to work in. Um, mm -hmm. So even though we kind of associate some of these practices with larger professionalized companies, there's really right. no excuse. And, and, and again, I talked to a lot of blue collar companies um, and, and, you know, uh, companies that have, have largely hourly or part-time workforces. Um, and there's things you could do to help people with um, knowing their schedules ahead of time, um, just so that they have more certainty in their lives and can plan ahead, you know, can, can have a big impact. Uh, one company just decided that we're not going to start any meetings until 10 o'clock. Um, just because it's stressful for working parents to do drop off and get to work and things like that. So uh, again, all it takes is, you know, some empathy and creativity to get started. Um, and then how you embody whole person workplace practices depends on your situation, your workforce, your resources, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is exactly what I wanted to ask you now. What are, what are the, some of the challenges of the, in, in, on the employer side? So, now sure. considering the current situation yeah well i mean of, of getting people back back to work and yeah so dating them yeah so i mean right i mean managing in this like hybrid way that like we're anticipating that the world's going to move to uh is much more complicated for managers right um you know it's a little it's easier to manage when everybody's there and after that it might feel even a little easier to manage when everybody's working remotely uh but when you're kind of combining elements, right? That that's, gets more complicated. So I think some employers, managers are rightfully um, a little, um, I don't know, maybe they're not so confident that they'll be able to pull this off and therefore there's some resistance there. Um, a lot of, you know, skeptical old school managers would, um, you know, had resisted remote work and flexibility even when it was appropriate for many, many years. Um, I think because Sorry, I lost your uh, sound for, for yeah, a second. Just that, you know, there were some organizations and managers, you know, who just resisted remote work for so long. Um, they were thrown into it, right? Um, right? You know, about 18 months ago, you know, so many organizations had to, right? And I think that many of these organizations and managers recognize that 
Um, it's worked okay for the most part, right? We've kept things going. Yes, we missed seeing people. And yes, we might miss some elements of building culture. And yes, we might miss some opportunities for collaboration and for those like creative ideas that just bounce off each other. But by and large, most, most business organizations that have been able to work remotely have done so at least reasonably successfully. So I think that's the ar first argument to make is that um, you were forced into this against your against what you wanted and it worked out okay. So now, what if you embraced some of this and learned some of the lessons about what worked, what didn't work? How can we build on the things that worked? How can we fix the things that didn't work? You know, that this can make a better workplace that, you know, will be, will run better. You'll have less like turnover and churn and conflict and stress in your life as a manager. Um, if you can kind of build some of that. The other arguments to make against uh, people or organizations or managers that might be skeptical is think about, you know, the risk management part of it or the continuity of service part of it. Um, COVID is not going to be the last disruption in the workplace. Uh, hopefully we never have anything as horrible as what, what has happened. But, you know, um, organizations are going to have to be agile and resist, uh, resilient and having some elements of flexibility, being able to listen to employee concerns and adjust to them, that helps build that resiliency and agility um, that will help you going forward. So mm -hmm. that's that's the arguments I would make, but clearly it's it's not universal. I mean, you know, there are organizations that, you know, had a plan to return people to the workplace. And I think a lot of the plans, at least in the United States, were centered right around now uh, when, uh, school-aged children going back to school. They were kind of timing like, okay, the kids are going back to school, so that's one less thing the parents have to worry about. We could bring people back to the workplace. Um, but now with the Delta variant that's you know really very prevalent in the United States and I'm sure in many other places uh, where, where you all are listening, um, you know that's caused a lot of companies to rethink their plans or delay their plans. And you know I think that shows, right, that one, that a, that an employer values its employees as people by saying, you know, your physical and psychological safety and well-being are primary, right? And we're going to adjust and we're going to communicate the fact that, you know what, we don't have all the answers. We're trying to figure this out, but we're going to do our best to, you know, um, take care of everybody uh, as we go through this process. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering whether the companies that didn't have a, a very strong and people-centered culture were actually able to adjust to, to a big enough extent during this one and a half, past one and a half years. Yeah, no. Uh, I, and, and, and whether I, the fact that they, um, that people were working remotely actually changed the culture in some way, because it shouldn't have, theoretically, but uh, there's a saying, I think it's a Marxist saying that, uh, the, let, me, let me think if I can quote it, the change in quantity impacts the quality or something like that. So after such a long period of uh, distance uh, uh, working, it could impact the culture or am I thinking sure. alongside your thoughts? <laughs> no, I, I, I think it could. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's, so at least in the United States, I recently read this survey where about 80% of employees want to come back to the workplace, at least in some capacity. So most of them are looking for you know, ways that they can work in the office three days a week and at home two days a week or something like that. So they can reduce their commuting. They can have a little better life balance. But also, you know, a lot of people 
you know, um, you have your friends at work, you have social relationships at work, you, you get feelings of pride and identity through your work. Um, and I, I, speaking for myself, I really missed seeing my students in person. Um, I really missed seeing a lot of my fellow professors. And yeah, it's harder to build kind of camaraderie, especially with new employees. If you had a strong culture before, you were probably able to sustain it. But if you didn't, um, I think you have some work to do now to, to rebuild uh, your culture and especially try to bring these, these, these values uh, in place. Mm -hmm. Based on my observation, you're absolutely right on both points. And uh, I'm especially thinking of my um, female friends who have children and they've, they've been so grateful mm -hmm. that they've been able to spend so much time, so much more time at home. And they didn't have to commute and all of that. So they don't really want to go back to the previous right. work style. Yeah. I, yeah. So I think most employees and again, in the United States, what we're seeing now is that employers who have not been great employers are having a very hard time uh, retaining their employees and finding new ones. Um, and other companies that took care of their employees or are allowing some measure of flexibility going forward are doing fine in terms of uh, retaining um, and, and keeping their employees. So, um, you know, that's what the data say over here. And I presume, you know, that there'd be similar dynamics going on. Yeah, I mean, listen, for me, I'm a college professor. My job was always very flexible and, you know, I could do a lot of work from home anyway. And it's, it allowed me to be a very present parent through my, mm -hmm. uh, through my son's younger years. But, um, you know, I think a lot of, uh, you know, I, I even have my students, uh, I, I had them last semester, they had interviewed someone whose job really changed and went remote. Someone who had to work out in the world, you know, in danger and everything through the pandemic. Um, what, made their work lives better, worse, et cetera, and what managers should be doing going forward. And it was very revealing for a lot of the students too, because it got them out of their bubbles and talking to people from you know different backgrounds. And um, that was a clear, um, so even just from my students collecting data for me, I suppose, um, most employees felt that, yeah, you know, I miss going to the workplace, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of benefits to how we've, we've, decided to work and I think that there's you know it'd be a shame if we didn't learn any lessons uh from mm -hmm. the last 18 months right um and apply the fact that some things worked well and we can retain them and other things maybe you know we need to to build back up how do you see the future of workplaces in the coming years yeah well, what think, needs to change or yeah yeah it's um I mean who knows right I mean mm -hmm. Early this summer, at least in the United States, it looked like we were going to be in the clear and we could go back to regular life and all this. And then, you know, things change. So uh, it's hard. But I think the best workplaces are going to be resilient and agile. And that means their workplaces are going to have to retain some level of flexibility in terms of where, when and how work gets done. Um, I think, you know, from a physical design standpoint, I've been reading a lot about how, um, you know, many companies might be reducing their office space and emphasizing group spaces or collective spaces or meeting rooms or informal meeting rooms, as opposed, you know, so people who need to work in their office with the door closed, they can do that at home. Um, mm -hmm. And then you come in for the collaboration. Um, so I'm hearing a lot about, you know, kind of interior of, you know, uh, in interior designers and architects who work with, with, with companies 
that that's kind of the, what they're seeing um, mm-hmm. doing that. And, um, you know, I think it's, um, this all makes sense, right? Um, and I think it's good that uh, so many organizations are putting employee well-being, um, maybe not as their top priority, but as a significant priority as they make their plans going forward. And I think that's a really good change. Um, not do you see do you but, see it all moving online, or do you see some coming back to physical activities like uh, team buildings, offsite events for employees, or is this in the past already? No, I, I really think that. Um, you know, we are social creatures, you know, there's, there's something human, right, about being together. Um, there's something different about, you know, eating meals together and, you know, working together. And so I think that there's always going to be an urge to bring people together, at least to some degree. So I, I really think that um, most organizations are going to settle on something that's, you know, kind of a hybrid approach where some work gets done remotely and other work is done, you know, on site. Um, I mean, some are going to embrace this and some have, and, you know, we, we've all heard announcements from companies that are like, we're remote forever now. Um, and there's some benefits to that in terms of you could recruit, you know, worldwide now, you're not you yeah. know, geographically located, um, you know, you could reduce some other costs and things like that. But, you know, that's not for everybody. It depends on the type of work you do and the type of culture you have and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And of course, so you that have to be done at a particular place at a particular time. Um, you know, store shelves don't stock themselves and, you know, warehouses, and drivers and police and, you know, all these other types of jobs, you know, they don't have the luxury of going remote, right? So uh, we're always going to have to build safe, resilient workplaces for large segments of our, uh, of our workforce. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Beeson. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us on your book the wholesome the whole person workplace yeah where can we find the book yeah so let me just do my little uh, yeah yeah Yeah, the whole person workplace um i know in the united states is is um you know in actual physical stores in addition to amazon and barnes and noble and uh, a website called indie bounds which is a online bookseller that that is a collective of independent bookstores um i believe in europe um, just about any European slice of Amazon uh, will have it. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure otherwise. But uh, again, the whole person workplace, I think, um, has lots of implications for, you know, mostly for managers, leaders, uh, human resources types, business owners. But there's a lot of implications here for individual employees and for job seekers. Um, and mm-hmm. I have specific advice and encouragement uh, for, for those for those segments as well. So I think anybody can really learn something from here. Um, you know, again, it's lots of examples of workplaces that embody some of these values that we've talked about over the last 20, 25 minutes. Um, and again, um, so if you want to reach out to me or any, or know where to find my work, uh, you go to scottbeeson.com, S-C-O-T-T. My last name is spelled weird, B-E-H-S-O-N.com. And you can see my work and books and things like that. And of course, the whole person workplace, building better workplaces through work-life, wellness, and employee support, um, you should be able to find it uh, wherever you find books. Awesome. So the, the, uh, did you just mention the names of the, the titles of the other two books? Oh, I'm not yeah. able to yeah. find them. I, I'd like to mention them as well. Now, it's fine. Um, so the, the other book that's kind of relevant to work-life discussions 
is called The Working Dad's Survival Guide, and it's advice and encouragement for fathers trying to balance work and family. And the other book, I don't know, is as relevant to your audience. It's written for college students, um, and it's called We Hate Team Projects, uh, mm -hmm. a, a friendly, um, a practical, friendly guide for college student project teams. Because I don't know if you remember college, we all hated team projects because some people would slack off. And this is like a book to help teams in, you know, uh, higher education and colleges, university, um, do better on their team projects and organize themselves better. So mm -hmm. I don't know how how central that is to your audience, but the whole person workplace certainly is. And the Working Dad Survival Guide might be um, useful for a lot of your audience too. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you, Dr. Beeson. Yes, so great. your your website again is oh, Scott yes. with the double Hi. T, Beeson.com. Yes, full name, S-C-O-T-T-B-E-H-S-O-N.com. Lovely having you. Great, thank you. I'd like to welcome you back again. Thank you. Yeah, awesome, great.